And every contractor, whether you're a digital consultant like you are, or you're an auto mechanic or a plumber, or even a nail salon on the bride's wedding day, you're selling the same damn thing. You're selling the client calm because they're freaking out, calming them down. And more importantly, making them feel like they're in control of their lives again. What they really want to do is have this problem like disappear from their mind because it's a total distraction from them. And they want to go th think about something else. The more you can say, yep, I'll take care of it for you. You're great. But the moment you increase their anxiety, they're going to fire you. Welcome back to another episode of the Debutify podcast. Today I spoke with Sunia Shah, who was an incredibly wise man, emotionally intelligent and funny. We talked about Shopify layoffs, leadership, expressing one's emotions, being honest with clients. This really was a masterclass in business and I was very lucky to talk to Sunia and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Well, hey, Sunia, how you doing? Thanks for coming yeah. on the podcast. Thank you. I know that you're feeling great. You've had a lot of laughs. Thanks for redoing this. So throwing me right into the deep end. You just like threw me right into like a hard question. And you said, you're going to record the intro later. It's all going to be based, I think, on how well I do is, you know, on this podcast. Whether it's like, oh, this was a rough one. He's going to get canceled. Or uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I just feel so bad for the interviewees. Well, I'm like literally reading out their LinkedIn bio and they're like watching me. And I'm like, this is Sunia. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, why don't we just chat? It'll I hope be a just lot print, more fun. You should print it out like Zach Galifianakis and just just read it out. Yeah, yeah, like monotone. Okay. Can you explain to me what happened here and why you're no longer working there? Like, yeah, yeah. I see. Hey, that's pretty bad. But you want to ask me about uh, my T-shirt? Yeah, I uh, I know that. Um, you know, I have a little birdie that told me that you're you're very close with a certain Toby yes, and. Um, and a bunch oh, of other people there. That sounds very interesting and awesome. Well, like I'm Canadian, right? I live in Toronto as my hat. I'm like proving I'm wearing all my proof here. Yeah, so yeah. My LinkedIn profile wasn't good enough for anybody. I started the marketing team at FreshBooks in 2007 and partnerships in 2008. So this is so long ago, people don't remember that there was a time when FreshBooks was bigger than Jaded Pixel, which is the original name of Shopify, right? And so I knew Scott and Toby and Toby was a CTO. And so we were, went, went down to Ottawa and I'm from Ottawa. And so, uh, you know, Mike and I were there. I, I think Saul was there with us too. And we're just visiting Shopify because they're just another like really good SaaS company in Canada. There weren't that many at the time. We we're kind of on the similar footing and they were like a rail shop and we were talking about rails at FreshBooks and all sorts of things. So we go, uh, go over there. We planned the trip. And I think at this time, in the time when we booked the trip and the time we got there, uh, I think Scott had left and then Toby was taking over, but he was still like the main coder. And it was really, really funny to me watching him, you know, we're waiting for him to, for a meeting and he's sitting there like coding away because he's like still the main coder, right? He's like writing all these rails codes and checking it in. Right? And then he comes over to us, CEO to CEO to have a conversation. And there's like 90 people at the company. I mean, this is like during the transition. And to me, that was hilarious, right? Because he's running this like thing, this huge company, you know, relatively still. It's bigger now, obviously, but still checking in code. And I can just imagine what his engineer, in my head, I was like playing the script back in my head, what his engineers are thinking. He's like, is Toby checking in code right now? <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, how quickly can we revert this? When you say uh, Rails, are you meaning payment Rails? What do you mean? No, he's using Ruby on Rails. He just he talked about it in his recent letter. I know it's a sad letter, but he was talking about it for like Toby like wrote Shopify, and so uh, you know he's like a coder at heart. You know he plays Factoria on uh, on his free time. You know I appreciate that about Toby. You know, I appreciate that he also wears a hat all the time because he's losing his hair. And I feel we're, we're kidding. Anyway, it's nice to see uh, their success. Uh, obviously, recent news is a little bit rough, but they're still growing quite rapidly. The pandemic obviously hit us all. Yeah, and they're really nice people mostly at Shopify. All everyone I've met, I say mostly, but hardly, you know, 
He's intense. I can't keep up with that guy. He's so energetic. He's a nice guy, but he's like nice plus more has more energy than I can ever hope to have. And so, I mean, you need someone like that to run the company. I wouldn't pick nice as my first word for Harley. I would pick like Energizer Bunny, I think is my first adjective. for <laughs> Energizer Bunny. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's just me dropping names right off the top because I want to sound important on your podcast. It's really what it's all about. I'm stealing, I'm stealing their thunder for me. I just want to ingratiate myself to your audience. Also have uh, Toby and Harley invite me over for a drink one day. Yeah, well, where where were you at in that, in that sort of time? Well, this is like 2009, maybe. So we're, we're this is in their office above the Byron Market, right? And so uh, it was like a tiny little. It was like a, there used to be a design studio, like an agency, right? And then they built this out of that um, as a Rails thing. And for a long time, they thought Rails was their big advantage. They were building like an e-commerce plugin for Rails. They thought that's what they would be. They were. And then they lay. I think Toby was one who realized that it wasn't Rails that was the most important thing, but it's actually providing this software itself to people who are merchants. I mean, I don't know the whole story there, but I do remember at the beginning, they thought originally they were a dev tool, like they were marketing to developers. I remember they had a lot of marketing to like straight on Ruby developers uh, and that changed. And once that changed, I think they hired Craig Miller uh, and he just really ramped it up uh, going for merchants, which, you know, was obviously the right move. I mean, it's what the market needed. They needed like a true experience so that anyone could be, could be a merchant. But that's what you guys play. I mean, you guys are solving problems in that space too, right? So, hundred percent, four hundred thousand downloads, allegedly. Allegedly, no, I'm pretty sure that's true. You just have Mechanical Turk or Upwork yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually just me re-downloading and re-downloading. It's just like my first YouTube videos. Just you know, refresh the page, and then when you get to ninety views, you're like, I think this is. This has been enough wasting my time. You must have been uh, pretty inspired by that. I mean, I know that you have like a pretty extensive SaaS background. Yeah, I run the Cloud Software Association, which is all the SaaS. Oh, you uh, do that too. Dude, I am running that right now. What, the Cloud Software Association? Warp? Is that what you're referring to? No, Cloud Software Association. It's a drinking club for partnership people. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. There's 4,000 SaaS companies in there, partnership teams. Shopify is one of them, of course. And, uh, you know, but we when I started FreshBooks, I started the marketing team, you know, quickly switched to partnerships. So I probably, I mean, you said, you mentioned in hopefully in my intro, if I'm not canceled, that uh, uh, I'm a CEO of AppBind. And what we do is I'm trying to solve this problem of how, you know, for instance, e-commerce agencies can set up the systems and full stacks for their clients without, you know, being in the pinch of, of managing the subscription costs, like the bookkeeping and the financial risk, and also how to set up accounts that they own, they manage with the customer's own. Very difficult problem, and I have a whole story about that and get into later. But I was at FreshBooks, and uh, you know, I I came from the licensed software world, right? I worked for a Microsoft VAR, as we called it back then, value-added reseller, which no one understands what those are anymore. But they're like systems integrators, or more simply, they're a dev shop. You know, so customers would come to us, we'd buy. To me, this is how I grew up. And when I was eighteen, we'd buy computers and networking cables, Windows licenses, SDKs. Uh, we put we quote our time. And the training and implementation would be $300,000 to build a system for a typical client. Uh, but I asked, I was 18, so I was like the teacher's pet there, like a happy squirrel. And I asked the president of the consultancy, you know, how the company worked. And she said to me, uh, listen, senior, we're not selling you. You know, we're not selling your time or your labor. No one buy, no one cares that you're working on this project, except for me. Do put your head down and type faster because you do need to deliver on time. But the client is not buying our work. They're buying the system. They want the result. They want what this thing does. Right. But what we're selling them is, again, not you. We're selling them the service contract because a service contract is, A, where all the profit is because it's recurring for three years. And it's usually pretty 
unused time. So you get a lot of margin from that. But she said it's actually more important than that. That means we get to talk to this client you know, every month or every quarter and, and see upgrades, maintenance, but also more importantly, what else can we sell them? What's the next system? And build that trusted relationship. And to me, that was, you know, I didn't actually think anything of it because that's how contracting has been going for 12,000 years of human history. I mean, everyone works this way. If you hire, even in your own house, a plumber, right, to dry your basement, he or she is not going to make you buy your own pipes and pumps. They're just going to build, uh, you know, a basement waterproofing system for you. You know, God help you if they ask you to buy your own flux. Like, what the flux is flux, as you got to tell them. Flux is actually the chemical you use to deoxidize a metal before you solder. I've learned okay. this because I've asked, I've made this joke so many times. And, so, and one guy's like, well, if, well, flux is clearly. <laughs> it's a joke. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> That's so good. So I was at FreshBooks and I started the partnership team because I just assumed all software is sold through partners because it is like 64% of software, B2B software is still sold through partners, but it turns out not SaaS, like 20% or less is sold through partners. You know, and if you're living in the Shopify ecosystem, I'm sure you have a lot of customers who are the merchants themselves, but you probably have a lot of e-commerce agencies who are also Shopify experts managing things. And they could probably tell you, you know, you probably know that it's like a complicated, weird love triangle. Like when they want to get to beautify and Shopify organized for a client, like, you know, like they have to get the client involved with you. They have to get Shopify involved with you. They have to get involved. It's like a lot of relationships you know, when really, I mean, are you anything different than, you know, a check valve or a pump or a pipe really in the overall system of the e-commerce store? I mean, like the e-commerce theme is not like a significant decision. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, if you're going to use this, just get it. It's something they could do. They should take care of for you as a contractor. Anyway, so I was at FreshBooks and we had all this demand, you know, accountants and bookkeepers and SMB consultants saying, hey, how do I get FreshBooks for my clients? I love it. And this is 2008 when no one knew how to do this. And so we get into the conversations and it could, they couldn't figure it out because they couldn't figure out how to create accounts that they managed. The customers own the data, but they managed it. And so the customers have to own the accounts and they couldn't pay for these things because there was all these recurring charges. They didn't want to be doing the bookkeeping. They didn't want to be in the middle of financial expense. And I was still arrogant enough to think I could solve the problem with computer science at the time, but just coding my way through it. Uh, so we started off trying to build a re- like a portal, a reseller portal to create accounts. I was solving the problem for FreshBooks, although I didn't ever finish it because we had to actually rebuild FreshBooks billing on FreshBooks to solve this. And that was like a whole like boondoggle. Not that it was a bad idea, but me wanting to do that was like too much work. And I I actually asked the CEO to kill the project because it was so crazy. They said, okay, the people could see this, the images, like we're showing them. It's like, yeah, but what about MailChimp? What about Shoebox? What about all these other tools they wanted? Because they needed to build a bunch of tools into the system. It was like not just FreshBooks. And then we started thinking building building an app store and I started like, designing that. And I was like, this is getting out of control because the problem is actually way more complex than I thought it would be. So I had to kill it after we spent, you know, I think uh, we spent $300,000 Canadian at that time. So like $500,000 in today's money. Just like before you go money. on, can you uh, just outline what is FreshBooks? Oh, FreshBooks is online invoicing or they always say cloud accounting for, at the time we were doing online invoicing for creative web agencies. Now it's cloud accounting for service companies more generally. That's okay. They do. Yeah. So it's kind of like QuickBooks, but lighter and easier to use is one way to think about it. Although I think it's even lighter than what you think. Not accounting, that's what I like. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I like that. Unaccounting, we used to do. It was a little days. Anyway, it was a crazy idea. And so what I had to do with AppBind, you know, I was was chewing on this problem for years and years. I was at CMO at Olark for like almost five years. You know, I have a really good e-commerce story, uh, but an agency there I should share with you. And then I finally figured out the solution and it's, it sounds simple, but like, what's a subscription email and credit card? So AppBind allows you to create 
a shared virtual email and a shared virtual credit card, but it's funded by your clients instead of you. And so then you can go buy their stuff. You know, the email is forwarded to you. You manage the account, it forwards to the client, they own it. And the credit card is funded by your client automatically. And so you just buy whatever they need and it bills the client and you're not in the middle of the money, but you're managing their stuff. So you can actually set up a whole system for them. You're not just constrained to buying just Shopify. You can buy Shopify and Clavio. You can buy Shopify and Debutify. You can buy Facebook ads. You can build a whole system for them, you know, and keep solving problems and not getting them bar- like buried in the, the, the weeds of like what pipe and pump you need to get the job done. You can just get the job done, which is all what clients want. And you, you get know, a disposable actually, card for each client? Every subscription for each client gets its own virtual card. And because then you can you can you can mark them up individually, you can cancel them, you can transfer them to the client at the end of the project because everything belongs to them. You just hand them the whole stack. It's a very professional way to work. Yeah, you know, it's exactly the same idea as, as a gardener setting up your lawn. You know, you own your lawn, right? You know, you own your plants, but I don't want to touch the fertilizer or weeding or anything like that. I just have them, I pay them monthly, they go buy all the stuff, expense me. Actually, I expend them, I give them a deposit and then they expense the deposit and then they maintain my lawn. That's how my landscaper works. And I don't need to know a pesticide, you know, from a, from flux. I don't really care, you know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, just deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. You know, actually, so this is actually the story is one of the stories that led me to AppBind. It took me a long time to actually realize the problem was this chocolate factory thing. So I was at Olark and one of our big channels is Magento, right? Magento, mm-hmm. Shopify, and BigCommerce were like the big three e-commerce platforms. For those who don't know, Magento is open source and it's huge. I was in Vegas at Magento Imagine, their big conference. And I'm sitting down at lunch uh, and this like a thousand year old man sits down next to me. He was hilarious. I call him, you'll see why I call him a thousand years old. But he sits down and the first thing he says is, uh, uh, I don't want to be here. <laughs> That's an amazing opening line. Yeah, just like I, I sits down at lunch, supposed to be meeting and greeting, be friendly. And he's like, I don't want to be here. And it's like, okay. It's like, okay, why? And then, uh, but he was a joker. So um, he says, listen, I'll, I'll shorten the story. But he's like, listen, I hired these whiz kids from Manhattan. Uh, by the way, I, he's from he's from New England. And I give him a Texan ac- accent every single time uh, because uh, I just think of Americans. Yeah, old Americans being Texan. That's what I think. Just, just roll with it. And he's like, you know, I hired these whiz kids. <laughs> I hired these whiz kids from Manhattan. He says, and do you think they did anything for me? And I'm like, I knew the agency, the e-commerce agency had hired. I'm like, they're really good. And I'm like, yeah, I think they did a lot for you. He's like, nope, they did nothing. He's like, what do you mean? But the first thing they did is they asked me to go buy all this stuff and start doing the project for them. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a subscription problem, right? Where they they couldn't buy, you know, Magento and the hosting and all this crap they needed. They had to get him to do it. He's like, I don't have time for this. So I gave it to my IT guy. And I was like, yeah, you know, you think he did, dealt with it? I was like, I guess so. No, he went like, to a no. Yeah. He's only, he's only a few years younger than me. You know, he barely knows, <laughs> barely knows what a phone is. It's like, <laughs> so anyway, he got it done. And then meanwhile, he's interrupted in the middle of lunch uh, with phone calls. Mm. Uh, one from the trucking union uh, complaining that the trucks don't work. And also from the auto mechanics who are supposed to fix the trucks, complaining they can't get the parts to fix the trucks. And he, and, he, and he says to the auto mechanic, why are you calling me? Is it your job to fix the trucks? Yeah, so go get the parts. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, you take care of it. That's his attitude. Like, it's an 80-year-old chocolate factory. He's the CEO of this damn thing. There's a lot of pieces here. His expectation is, as COO is every department is just t- taking care of their own business and not bothering him unless he has to be involved. Like buying a, you know, buying a part for a truck, he doesn't know anything about it. It's not his problem. It's the auto mechanic's job, right? He's just take care of it. Uh, and he was getting frustrated with them. And so... 
now I was like understanding more of his mentality, right? This e-commerce agency certainly failed on step one, right? They made him take care of something that he's like, are you supposed to deal with this? He mm-hmm. knew he needed to get the e-commerce, but he doesn't know anything about, he doesn't know anything about e-commerce. So he hired the best agency in Manhattan he could find. And so he said, so, so what I had to do is he continues on with the story and I'm like swallowing my lunch. He's like, uh, so what I, so what I have to do is I hire, I have to hire these kids, these college kids from New England, from community college. And you think they were, you know, and you think they were better than the whiz kids in Manhattan? And I, like an idiot, trying to flatter this guy, said, yeah, sure. Great, great move. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm sure they're great. It's like, no, you dummy. <laughs> the whiz kids are clearly <laughs> better. That's why they're whiz kids. They're from Manhattan. They're obviously doing better than community college kids. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He hates everybody. He's like, but, but who did I see at Christmas? And I, okay. I think the, the your kids, by the way, don't forget he's a thousand years old. Like he hired adults, right? But for him, everyone's a child. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he said, uh, your kids? And it's like, yeah, you got one finally. Like, okay. Uh, and you, so who do you think I fired? The whiz kids? He's like, yeah, you got two. <laughs> so, like, so I asked, like, why are you here? He's like, well, it's simple. You know, once they're my kids, I love them. I'm going to make sure they, I help them grow. I help them develop. It's my job. It's my, they're my responsibility. So I, this conference in Vegas is where I had to send them. But you think I'm going to send the kids to Vegas on their own for the first time? No, no, sorry. I had to come down to make sure they're okay. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he doesn't, you know, the children, as far as he's concerned, it's Vegas. But this story of how the e-commerce agency, they were great, failed right away because they couldn't take care of things for clients and they created this frustration and how the client ended up hiring internally is not uncommon. I've actually talked, because at FreshBooks, I could see agency and client relationships. And I've talked to lots of agencies. I've talked to a lot of clients. And I was a client too. The moment you increase the anxiety for a client, they're going to fire you. And they're going to replace you with in-house staff. That's what's going to happen. Because they need to get this problem under control. And if you, you as an outside contractor, can't just take care of it, right? They're going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to have to find someone who can get this problem out of my mind. You know, you ask a lot of agencies and we saw the benchmarking data at FreshBooks. Those around license software had three-year contracts. Those in subscriptions had three-month contracts. You know, it's a big difference. It's more like six-month contracts because they're just doing initial labor. And if you're only doing labor, you're just doing the scalability trap where you're selling labor for money. So the more revenue you have, the more payroll you have, the payroll turns over, the clients turn over, you have to scramble for more clients. It's a very difficult way to build. But if you're thinking about e-commerce, e-commerce actually has a very long runway for clients because building the shopping cart is one thing, building the product catalog, building fulfillment, right? Building the marketing and building the post sales funnel, right? And then you can start like building from there. Once you have the skeleton, you can do the coupon codes, the discounting, you can do affiliates. You know, affiliates, you can get the seasonal marketing going, social media, there's a lot to, to build in an e-commerce site. And a lot of merchants actually are only good at a few things, like building the product and identifying the customer. I mean, you know, there's a lot you could do if you can say to the client, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it for you. We'll build one system after another for you, right? I mean, what, what does Debutify, if anything, but a package to solve a lot of system problems, right? So you can take, you can leverage and go to bigger, bigger problems, mm-hmm. right? And if the product can do that, surely a service company can do that, right? That's what we saw. You know, you don't want to get fired by a thousand-year-old uh, chocolate manufacturer. No, That's no, no. Insane. I mean, I, I kind of want to push back just being a contractor myself. Like the, he's got a great point, but it is very difficult to be like, uh, you know, showing so much initiative when it's like their credit card or something like that. So I just did a video for a shampoo company. You know, she's the kind of client who is like this horrendous dichotomy of being very particular in attention to detail 
but also doesn't actually know what she wants. So you end up just not really knowing what to do. I arrive at the uh, shampoo factory after lots of back and forth and calls. And like, I'm kind of going like, you know, what is the video? What do you want me to film? And we're outside the shampoo factory and she shows me like a TikTok of Taylor Swift selling Nikes. And she's like, can you do this? And it's like raining and I'm there with my camera and I'm looking at her and I'm like, I don't think that's what we're about to do. We're about to, we, we walk in and it's just like a conveyor belt with people making shampoo. And I'm kind of like, does she really expect that TikTok of like highly produced, beautiful stuff? Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to your pushback. Uh, I talked to a lot of agencies at my own podcast and uh, now Drinking Club, uh, mm-hmm. Agency Cocktails. So you go appbind.com slash agency cocktails and we'll buy you drinks and hang out with other agency owners about solving cool. business problems. Because I think a lot of agencies uh, don't know how to organize their business. So you got to think of yourself as not no longer an employee of your clients, as someone working for them and therefore saying yes to whatever they want. Yeah, you can do that. But what happens is you end up with more chaotic work process where you don't you can't control and predict outcomes. I mean, at the beginning, you'll do that because you're trying to learn what you, what you are and what you're offering. But uh, every successful agency or freelancer who's managed to find margins and sustainability ends up with some form of productized service where they have predictability. So, and they fire clients. I mean, you're chaotic. You have to know what you're offering because you can know how many hours it goes into producing it. If your labor is your fundamental resource, right? You want to control what that labor is doing. Some agencies are really tight with their labor and you end up with like basically templatized work. But, you know, there's other way. There's flexibility in there. You can do creative work, but you have to know what what is a good client. You have to have a standard operating procedure that you're writing down. Things like tools like AppBind also establish you're worried about getting the credit card for the client everything but app buying is actually establishing trust and transparency with the client they see you give them a you give them a purchase order showing exactly what you're going to buy how much is going you're going to budget for it you can set a maximum spending limit so those controls it's very clear they own everything everything is clear to them it allows them to delegate the work of dealing with it all to you but they own everything that's what the whole point of tools like app bind FreshBooks, whatever are, they're about establishing this trust where the client can say, okay, you you take care of it. Because that's all they want to say. Take care of it for me, please. This client uh, didn't know what they wanted to be taken care of, right? And that's a red flag for the client. They don't know what the outcome might be. And you couldn't advise them what an outcome would be because they were, you know, a lot of clients are like this. You give them like, well, this is what it's going to look like. They say, no, I don't want that. And then you keep thinking there's an opportunity there. But they, can't say yes. they can't say yes to anything. They actually don't. They're actually too afraid to say yes to a particular outcome and test it. Like they're not decisive enough. Right. And you have to know what you're offering. Like, well, this is the deliverable that I'm selling. Mm-hmm. You know, you want this deliverable. If they say no, then you have to go, well, they didn't buy what I'm selling. And then you move on to the next opportunity. Like you have to know what, what's happening as an outcome. Every project I did as a consultant where I sold them, like this is what the de- deliverable looks like. And, you know, I got pretty good at repeating the outcome, even though the creative work was different every single time. The, the, temp- like the This is the document I would deliver to them on which timeline, what are the workshop sessions, what are the communications I would do? I knew what that was. And then thinking, you know, was and it would take 20 hours of thought roughly plus or minus 10 hours for any given client. So I can budget that in. Every time I sold one of those, it was really, really good. They, they bought it pretty quickly. I did the work. I was successful. It was profitable. Every time I would learn about a problem go, hey, that's fun and interesting. Maybe I should try that. It was like the most stressful thing because I was inventing the business as I was going along, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have more than one client, right, you're juggling things that you owe other people against this un- like unbounded liability of time that you just committed yourself to. 
So like you can only eat one of those a quarter, maybe of like, like new work just to see, but your pushback is real, but because you haven't established what you're selling, that's what I, I heard. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was incredibly uh, perceptive of you because that's exactly what happened. I took the job because it was different, and but then it ended up being a different product, one that I hadn't made before. So I couldn't point to those other products that I had made before and say, well, this is what it should look like. But because there was no direction and no like, yeah, like you said, like, you know, pulling the trigger on the final deliverable. It, it never got finished. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause that is, um, I guess like the nuance is just like knowing where along that that's happening, where, where you're going, Oh, I can't actually, they don't actually want what I'm selling. You know, it's, uh, I have another, yeah. I mean, I have how, how do you, how do you see that? I have another principle that's also, I think important to understand every client. Well, not every client, but 90% of clients in my experience, they hire contractors when they're freaking out because they would have done it internally if they could, but they can't. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they they either don't know what they're doing, which is quite common. Uh, I mean, if I hired a, pl- I'm, I'm not going to fix my own toilet. I'm going to hire a plumber. I would never want no to. Way. That. Or you may not have the organizational resources, capacity, or you may not have. You, you may not trust your internal organizations. There are millions of reasons why the project couldn't be done internally, uh, and they're already behind schedule. And they and then they have to hire someone new, and they don't trust you because you don't go through the normal interview process, right? What are you What are you selling them? And every contractor, whether you're a digital consultant like you are, or you're an auto mechanic or a plumber, or even a nail salon on the bride's wedding day, you're selling the same damn thing. You're selling the client calm because they're freaking out, calming them down, and more importantly, making them feel like they're in control of their lives again. What they really want to do is have this problem like disappear from their mind because it's a total distraction from them, and they want to go th- think about something else. The more you can say, yep, I'll take care of it for you, you're great. But the moment you increase their anxiety, they're going to fire you. Uh, you know, I've been fired by a client, you know, it's basically the moment you, you just start increasing the chaos for them. These, these chaotic clients, you know, I, I, I've learned to just say, you know, honestly, it's chaotic. If I feel anxious about this project, right, then I'm going to create, then I know it's bad because I'm going to increase the anxiety for you, right? And then you're going to fire me, right? So this is not going to work. The moment I start feeling anxious about a project, I know I'm in deep, deep trouble with the client. I, I usually have that conversation with them. Like, this is too much cookie. I can't control this, right? Outcome. What can we control about this, if anything? And if we can control some outcome, we'll continue with that. And if we can't control the outcome, we're going to have to, you know, kill it because, like, what happens is, you know, either you respect me for saying that, we'll continue working together, or we'll, you won't. But if you go through with this, you definitely will not work with me again, right? Because I've absolutely screwed you. How does, yeah. how do you say that? I actually say it to them before the first sale. I, uh, when I was consulting, I actually got into this, not initially, this is just before AppBine. I left Olark and I was consulting and had the most lucrative year of my life that year. What I learned was the people were hiring me. I was at a different point in my career. So I was working with the CEOs or, or CMOs and they were all hiring me because they were, it was kind of a mix of management consultant and, and implementation. So it was like hitting both roles simultaneously. And I realized that nothing about my implementation mattered to them. Uh, is really the management of the company that was bothering them. And they were all freaking out, every single one of them, in a, like, a really meaningful way. But they couldn't tell their staff because they had to be leaders in their mind. Uh, they ha- couldn't tell their investors. They couldn't tell their customers. couldn't tell their partners. They kind of were, were kind of trapped holding this fear and trying to hold it all together. But I was the only person they could trust because I was outside the company and I was like kind of being a therapist. And I have this vibe where i'm like great gatsby i'm like nicholas right i'm like people just think that I, you can tell me anything they they think and feel and so i started realizing i just say that right up to your face like 
So I have the meeting with everybody. We meet everybody and I take them aside. I'm like, listen, you're hiring me because you're, you're freaking out. You're anxious about this problem. And really, I told them, it doesn't really matter what I deliver. I will deliver what I promise. But all that matters to me at the end of the project is you feel like at the end of this project, no matter what happens, this part of your business, you feel like you're, it's back under control for you and you're, and you're feeling calm about it. You know, this whole line of business may be a total fail for you, but at least you will have it under control and know that and bring it to a place where you can feel confident going forward. That's really what you're buying for me, not like landing pages or emails to people. You want to know like this thing is under some kind of control. And if it's going to grow, it's going to grow. It's going to die. It's going to die. But I can get you there uh, in a way that everyone feels supported through the experience. And I was like the only person, you know, who would ever say that to a CEO or whatever, that you're freaking out, you know, but it, <laughs> actually his mic at FreshBooks would probably tell you, I said that probably to him way too many times. Uh, we have a good relationship. Yeah. Uh, you're actually just projecting and <laughs> he wasn't freaking out. Well, everyone freaks out all the time. I'm definitely projecting I'm an anxious monkey, but, uh, you know, I like it's stressful running a business because there's a lot of risk. And then you have to, people think leadership means uh, holding your emotions inside it and then putting a stiff upper lip for the hunters, you know, the, the staff, everybody. But to me, uh, I've learned that you can lead better by just being straightforward and non confrontational about your fear, your feelings, whether you're excited or angry or anxious. You know, usually for me, it's fear. Like it's uncertainty. It's every all sorts of uncertainty in business. So if I just like I run a conference every year, you know, I'm, I'm getting worried about ticket sales. Mm-hmm. But I just say I'm worried. I, I feel I tell people I'm feeling it right now. I'm like really anxious right now just to let them know that I'm having an emotional response to this problem. But then we have a business problem, which is that we have ticket sales that we can talk about. If I say it that way, they know I'm not taking my emotions out on them. I have that emotion. I have a problem that's causing the emotion. But it, my emotion is not your emotion. It's not a gift for me to give to you to so you feel crappy. The problem that we have in common is a business problem. My emotional reaction to it is mine and it's real. And I'm going to be motivated to deal with it. They should know that. I'm definitely going to deal with it. But they don't need to you know, take on my anxiety. That's not going to help them. They're going to get shut down. Uh, but like saying that you're not anxious, like hiding that, all I see what happens, it comes out as anger or passive aggressiveness or undermining. Like it comes out if you don't tell people. If I tell people, they can like like go, oh, you're being a. I don't really. They can tell me like, oh, you're being a little bit anxious right now. They can they can stop me from attacking because they know that I'm willing to talk about it without fear. I don't care. I don't care. They're just feelings. We're all lizards, you know. So I'm a lizard too because I'm a I become a conspiracy theorist and I realize I'm a lizard. I was just gonna say it's it's also like vague if you don't you know explicitly say I'm feeling anxious about X. If you if you kind of express your anxiety through another like medium or like uh, through the veneer of another concept or like, you know, topic, then that's when it gets real sort of like dicey It's best. I think what you're describing is like so emotionally intelligent because you can just like, you know, latch your emotions onto this problem and, and not be interrelational. Yeah. I mean, the emotion comes from this problem, right? Or if it's something else in my life, I'll just tell them straight up, you know, like, well, I try to be as self-aware as I can. Like, this is how I, this is, if you're I'm acting weird or whatever, it's like, this is literally what's happening to me right now. So then they can manage their response. Otherwise, people think that I'm attacking them or threatening them. Or if I'm feeling anxious and they're in a call with me and I'm really not reacting the way they want, they can feel like I'm not, I'm not buying what they're selling or I'm not, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not engaged with what they're saying or that uh, I'm about to fire them for some reason because I'm reacting in a poor way. But if I just let them know, like, I'm worried about this thing right now. I just came into this meeting. Don't worry about my response. I'm listening to you, but I may be reacting this way. 
right? Then if I ever act in a way they don't understand, they can ask me because they'll get to know that you can ask me, like, is, what did you actually feel about this? I can say right now, I can't feel anything about this, but I'll come back to you and we can have an honest conversation. And in return, what I find is that people that will then tell me how they feel very openly about whatever in the same way. And it's a very mature and adult way, to, I feel, to get on through life. But I actually don't believe, I mean, actually, we're just talking about Shopify. I think Toby wrote a very mature letter. I mean, he had a difficult day, right, the other day. I haven't read that, but if you want to summarize it for people's listeners and myself. Well, be- so many CEOs, when they do a layoff, they talk about themselves and how it impacts themselves and all this stuff. He talked about his relationship to Shopify. Obviously, it's his love of his life in a way. He was there from the beginning. And he talks about the mistake they made. And he talked about the impact of people. And then he talked about how they're taking care of people. Uh, and, you know, it was a mistake. And But it's like... Now they're correcting it and it was his, his mistake, you know, and a lot of CEOs who do layoffs will like talk about themselves the whole time and how it impacts them. It's the first time they've had to do a layoff. Like no one cares about you and your reaction. And so I think a lot of CEOs, you know, they, 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 they're afraid of looking like they have imposter syndrome. They're afraid of looking crappy and they have, they hold their emotions in. Right. But how do you hold, how do you lead people? I mean, to me at work, I may be your boss. I have that role. I am responsible for your outcomes. Right. And your development, all these things, nine to five. But what happens after 5 p.m.? We're just adults in society together. Right. So maybe then you're, you're coaching my kid at soccer. I have to listen to what you're saying because you're the coach. And I'm like the parent. Right. You know, we have different roles and we're just people. Right. For this particular context, we have roles relative to each other, but we're still adults. Like the, the game of a corporation doesn't change ourselves as human beings, does it? I mean, it can to many people, but I don't understand it. But, uh, I have Gandhi on my walls, so maybe it made me a little bit unique. Anyway, that's a bit of a ramble. But, you know, I think dealing with your emotions, if we're going to talk about that, it's it's worth it. Like, who cares? Like, we're all in it together. If you're worried, be worried. But, you know, the longer you hide it, the more dramatic it becomes. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'll tell you right up. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I do care, actually. I want you to know as fast as humanly possible so that it doesn't become a dramatic moment where I'm like, by the way, I've been secretly hating you for six months. And, you buy, you fire them. Like, that's weird. It's wrong. Like you didn't give a person a chance to grow, mm-hmm. to fix the problem. Yeah, I think it's probably quite a common experience. So I hope that you inspire some people today. That 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 really uh, definitely was the highlight of speaking to you today was learning how you deal with things like that. Some people will think you're a lunatic doing that, but they're the ones who are the most insecure about their own feelings. I'll tell you one more story. So I was doing a partnership deal while I was at FreshBooks. I will not mention the company, but they were in Seattle, and it, it was falling apart. And then there was this, this is back before video calls. So it was like, they had, a, they had a conference room with a polycom, like a conference call. And I was at FreshBooks listening to them. And there's globe, the global VP or whatever came in to kill the deal. And he was just like yelling on the phone for like 20 minutes. Mm. And I was just like, okay. So I put, I, I put myself on, I put the handset down, put them on speaker, muted myself and just went on with my email. And he just kept going for like 20 solid minutes. And then he finally, you know, finished. And he's like, well, what do you think? I didn't catch it the first time. I was like, what you, are you there? What do you think? He was like, oh, sorry, I wasn't listening because it didn't matter. By the way, you know, as, as angry and intimidating as you think you are, you're yelling at a piece of plastic in Seattle. And I, let me look it up on MapQuest. This is how long ago it was. Uh, <laughs> like, we're like 3,000. I'm 3,000 kilometers away from you in a different country. I'm not feeling very intimidated right now. <laughs> like, Genius. Like, my handset is not going to leap up and attack me. I mean, I don't know what you think you're doing. I mean, clearly he was yelling at the other people in the room by by yelling at me. It's like, you're having a meltdown. You're having an adult temp. I didn't say this. I realized he was having an adult temper tantrum Mm -hmm. because he couldn't actually manage his relationships with his own subordinates at the company. He's using me as a palooka, as like a scapegoat. Yeah. 
unless you're going to punch me, I don't really care what's going to happen to me. So nothing is going to happen. What are you going to do? What's the worst you're going to do to me? Nothing. So I don't feel that intimidated. I'm not going to do anything for you, obviously, at this point. You can't make me do anything after you yell at me for 20 minutes because I don't want to do anything with you. You could have just said no. I'm like, okay, that would have been a lot faster. But he took out his emotions with a temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. And I I remember that story. I had one other story like that. And I was just like, I've had blowups with my partners before, but I've always treated them respect. I buy them drinks afterwards. I got them keynoting my conference, even when we like killed the partnership because I, you know, I always try to treat them with dignity and respect. You know, I even got, <laughs> yeah, there's like so many stories like that where, you know, it just seems absurd to me. It's like, it's like a pantomime of stupidity to lie to someone with your emotions for your own selfish needs. Like it's not real. Like it's just business from beginning and why even bother get angry at somebody like for 20 minutes? Like you can be, you can just tell them I'm angry at you. That's all the information they need. That's it. And then you can move on to what you're going to do about it. I don't understand the point of yelling. I mean, you are incredibly stoic. It's not the emotional response for probably most people, for most lizards. You're going to hear <laughs> shouting and you're going to go, I need to like step up and defend my honor. But to just sort of sit back and be like, read between the lines and be like, oh, he's actually just having a temper tantrum and I can just let that happen. It's very stoic. Yeah. I'm not stoic, but I am nonviolent because I am. That's how I grew up. That's my religion. And so I just don't see the negative emotion. Negative emotions are like a gift people want to give to you that you don't want to take. Like, yeah, like I'm yeah. feeling, I'm feeling crappy inside. And so like, here's a gift to you. Here's some yeah, negative yeah. emotions. So like you can just say, mm, no, thank you. I don't want it. There's too much wisdom for an e-commerce podcast. Like at this point, we're going to have to f- found a religion. Yeah, no, this is perfect. This is exactly what I thought would happen. And I'm glad it happened. If you're also your SaaS company, you're trying to set up a, a channel of agencies as well. We have an agency solution partner portal for SaaS companies. We'll handle the billing and commissions and, and account management for you without any engineering. Just drop it in inside of a day. Yeah. So if you're an agency, come to appline.com slash agency cocktails. We'll buy you drinks. We can talk about uh, existential terror uh, as we've been doing on this podcast together while drinking because that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of existential terror with being an agency, as I well know. Uh, and if you are a software company, you come to cloudsoftwareassociation.com and sign up. We'll buy you drinks and talk about your existential terror over drinks. And I'm on LinkedIn, Sunir Shah. And I have, uh, you know, I honestly, I have one more thing. The imposter's prayer. I'll give you one more thing. So many people have imposter syndrome. They can't deal with the amount of uncertainty in life. and They don't think they're up for it. But I have this, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not stupid and I'll figure it out. So what you got to say. Like, no one knows what they're doing. But you're not stupid. You'll figure it out. And I like saying this prayer out front to people's like uh, people like get you know when you're in a meeting and people are challenging you like attacking like you don't know what you're doing. It's like well I don't know what I'm doing. I just tell them like I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm not stupid. Yeah. I'll figure it out. And now start then you can start enumerating like well here's all the problems. Here's possible solutions. You just have to work on it. It's just like another problem. It's just another jigsaw puzzle to f- put together. You know, like you don't have to make it a big ego thing. That's what I say. I'll say it in public. I'll start my pr- I'll start all my meetings with a prayer meeting of the imposter syndrome. I'm sure. I think we'll have to include that in the intro. <laughs> Enjoy canceling me with this intro. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Shania. That was that was beautiful. Thank you, Connor. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Debutify Podcast. If you want to be part of the show, just email us podcast at debutify.com or head over to debutify.com to learn more. Have a great day and good luck with everything.